Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with my buddy, my wingman. Wingman. Thomas Patrick Dorian. Man, that's going to be a good segue. What's that? Wingman. Think about it. Yeah, because our guest flew here. Yeah, that's exactly right. He literally right. flew here. Literally. Uh, his arms are tired. Yeah. Actually, no. he, made his, he made his son. He brought his son. He did most of the flying. Uh, and so, hey, shout out. Right. Yeah. Remind, what, what your name again? Joe. 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 Little Joe. Joseph. Is in the house. Yeah, no, no, number eight. Joe's That's not what I'm little, by the way. He's got a great handshake. He's a big, too, well, plus he flew here, so no, his no, arms he's now. Got to be. He's got some guns now, but uh, <laughs> Joe, welcome. Uh, and, uh, well, our guest is Daniel Shackle. Uh, Daniel, I'm so excited to have you here uh, with us in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Welcome. Thank you. Thank um, you. I'm glad to be here. Don't be shy of that mic. You lean on in there. We want to make sure everyone hears you. So, um, now the most important thing about you, I think, Daniel, is you're married to Michelle. Right, so that's the best thing you got going for you. So a little shout out to the wives out there. That's right. That's the best sale I ever made. <laughs> <laughs> she really hadn't caught on yet, has she? No. <laughs> Apparently she has because you guys got thirteen kids. So. We have thirteen children. Yes, that's awesome. That's it a is. that is a blessing. Uh, and it's not often, Tom, that I get to say that he's got a big family. That's incredible. Because I got nine, you got what? Five. Yeah, I can't remember anymore. It's hard to remember. I know. So we had, well now so together I we, think I have, we yeah, I've together got we got you right. We got fourteen. You got thirteen. Yeah. But anyway, all that aside, uh, it's all it's be- it's beautiful to have a, a large family. Yeah, as you beautiful. you can probably attest to. But the reason we asked you here, Daniel, is because of you. You've got another great. Um, we'll just say I don't say story, but experience uh, that a lot of people don't get. Tom, I mean, you know, we're you know, I will say we're big time Catholics, and we love our Catholic faith, and we love the idea of like uh, when the, when the when the Vatican names saints. Right, oh, when yeah. the church calls out and says, this person's a saint, and, and that whole process of becoming saints. We've actually done shows about what it takes and how that works and right. this idea of miracles or whatever. Well, we invited Daniel here because, Daniel, you're like part of one of those miracle stories. Uh, and that's so we wanted to explore just a little bit, if you're okay, just kind of help us to know um, uh, like the story and where that, where that comes into play. And it's kind of unique, isn't it, Tom? To oh, it's great. Talk to somebody who's like, one of those guys, like you know, this I've never dude. had that experience before. No, and this have is going to be a first. Nope, nope. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. This is going to. This is going to be it. So, just so you know, I haven't either. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> so but you I never act, thought I would. But you can act. You, you're right. <laughs> right. This, but you, now you've done it, so you've right. accomplished that. Right. You can check that box. Move on to some other big uh, climb Mount Everest next. Sure. I guess is the the next thing you're going to do, Daniel. So, first of all, you know, tell me uh, first. Tell me about your family and, and the faith of your family. What kind of what kind of family do you have? So my father was a cradle Catholic, and my mother was a convert, and uh, my wife is a convert, and of course I was cradle Catholic. Yeah, and grew up with uh, some of you here in Memphis might know Sam Mock and Father right. Clark. We all grew Sam up. Sam says hi. By the way, no. I had him on the show. We did a, a show we were recording yesterday, and so Sam says hi. Oh, excellent! Your guest list has gone downhill. Yeah, anyway. unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> it's all we can afford. Sorry. <laughs> so. Like most people that are younger age, you know, you have to find your own way in your faith and everything, although we were raised in the faith. And my wife decided to become Catholic, and not that I had ever left the church or became pagan or anything like that, but it just was, I didn't own it. You weren't on fire. Exactly. 
So she decided to join the church, and I went to RCIA with her, and uh, that's whenever I began to own the faith. I always that say incredible? that's when I was a revert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a yeah. revert, and that's awesome that you would do that. In fact, I, when I talk to like couples that are getting ready to get married, and one of them's not Catholic, and they want to become Catholic, invariably, if it's the if it's the husband that's Catholic, they'll say, "Well, I'm already Catholic, so I don't need to go to the classes." It's like, yeah, but you, you really want to come and sit with her and. You need to be part of this process and help her to know that you know you're willing to do that. And True. invariably, those guys suddenly go like, "I never knew that. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting." They they end up getting mm-hmm. on fire. So that's what happened to you. That's exactly what happened. Fantastic. Sure. Now, were you already of uh, a Knight of Columbus at that point? I was. My dad was a district deputy, so he made me join when I was 18, basically. Deputy Shackle. <laughs> deputy Shackle. <laughs> and then I went off in the Air Force for a few years. I wasn't real active until after I got married and settled down and everything. Gotcha. I gotcha. I bet you that took on a whole new light, though, once you kind of really found your faith. And you realize just what a cool organization the Knights of Columbus is. It's a fantastic organization. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, because you're, you, you're a general agent now. I'm a general agent. What yes. does that mean? So the Knights of Columbus isn't only pancakes and Tootsie Rolls. They're also a... (laughs) Although that's a really good thing. (laughs) It is a great thing. It is a great thing. I love pancakes. And Tootsie Rolls. (laughs) We were founded by a priest, uh, Father Michael McGivney, in New Haven, Connecticut in 1882. And there was a lot of disease going around at the time, a lot of bigotry against Catholics, large Catholic Irish families that were losing their breadwinners. So he said, we need to create an organization of men that can bring their families in. We can defend our faith against the culture and we can protect our families from the wolf at the door yeah so there's two sides to the knights of columbus i work at the wolf on the door side okay. and we're not the wolf at the door we try to keep the wolf away from the yeah. door but the knights of columbus is also one of the 50 largest life insurers in north america most people don't know that we're a fortune 800 company so i work on their insurance program side and uh I manage the area of Tennessee, Kentucky, and Arkansas, so we have about 20 offices that I travel around to. So that's how you support your family, and you need to support your family because you have have 13 kids. 13 children. Uh, An absolute blessing. So the reason why we're, we're gathered here, I think, today is because of number 13. The, the, the lucky, the lucky number, number. Lucky, lucky 13. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, interestingly, you mentioned uh, uh, Father Michael McGivney. Uh, founder of the Knights of Columbus, um, and uh, was about 100 years ago or 1838 years ago. 138 years ago. So it's been a while, right? And and now there's another Michael, another Michael McGivney, Michael in, McGivney Shackle in yes. in your life. So That's so great. tell us tell us about Michael. So Michael is uh, he's almost six years old now. He's a rambunctious little boy with down syndrome mm-hmm. full of energy and beautiful and smile laughter. beautiful yeah. smile just yeah. a, a gorgeous he kid a magnetic personality he's a great little boy i mean we we started out on a little bit of a, a rougher road you know we found out he had down syndrome right and which we weren't upset about terribly you know we knew there would be some challenges but we thought he would also bring a lot of joy to our family and teach right. us all to love someone better you know that can't give back to us the way the world would would have us and the way love is nowadays most times so a couple of weeks after that though we found out that he had something called fetal high drops along with the down syndrome right i'm so, not familiar with fetal high drops i wasn't at the time either so yeah. if, uh, we had an ultrasound and they they came in and showed it to us on the screen the doctor said you know you see right here this big sea of fluid she said he's not getting rid of fluid he's just blowing up like a balloon oh my goodness and eventually he'll pass away she said there are oh. 
if this is caused by an infection or something, we can treat the infection and it can go away, but this is caused by a chromosome abnormality and hmm. we've never had anyone survive this diagnosis with well, chromosome what a, what abnormality. A, what, a, what a terrible diagnosis, certainly. And as a parent, I can imagine myself, uh, my wife and I going through um, uh, pregnancies, It's I understand how devastating that particular diagnosis would be for a parent anyway. What was it like to hear, you know, pretty much 0% chance survivability and... Yeah, and you guys, I can't speak for you, but if you have a large family, you've probably lost babies in the past. So mm-hmm. it's always painful, and it's painful for yeah. the women, and it's painful for us. and Especially for the guys, because we really can't do anything. Exactly. There's no duct watch. tape or string or anything that's going to fix do. it, right? There's nothing we can do. And yeah. then, you know, through all of this, too, you struggle with the question of why did God help this child and yep. not the other ones we prayed for. So if there's anybody else out there asking that question about why didn't God help mine, I don't know. I mean, we've had other ones as well that didn't end up this way. So, right. Mm-hmm. I so, lost did, your question. But did your but did your faith help you in that in that process? You know, the doctor came in and showed us the results and said, "There's a zero percent chance." Thirty years, I've never seen anyone survive this diagnosis. And she said, "I know you're Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I know what you believe about abortion, but this really isn't abortion because there's no hope." Right. Oh yeah. Well. She said, so we have two options. We can terminate the pregnancy now, or we can just wait for him to die, and then we'll have a stillbirth. So those are your two options. Ugh. Golly. That's, 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 that's just painful just to hear it the words is. now. I can't, I can't imagine I what it was like at the, at the time. I was so angry, to yeah. be honest with you. And, mm. uh, you know, you well, never, angry with who? Uh, the situation and the doctor, I guess. Okay. I mean, I'm a dad, so I'm supposed to defend my children, not kill them. Right. So I'm yeah. like, why is this lady telling me to kill my children? You yeah. Know? My wife is more charitable. She said, well, she's worried about my health, and she's, you know, right. all of these other things. And she was right. I'm, I mean, I shouldn't have been angry with her, but I was. And I was... Uh, well, the heart of that anger was not like a bitterness and a like retribution or no, anything like no, that. No, no, it no. was uh, it was hurt, really. Right, so right. I, I get that. Mm-hmm, I get yeah. that. And I'm not holding that against you, Daniel, well, at thank all. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Certainly not at all. <laughs> so, obviously, you elected not to terminate the pregnancy. Yeah, absolutely. Um I told Michelle, we had a pilgrimage actually planned to Fatima, speaking of the number 13. Yeah. We had a pilgrimage planned to Fatima in uh, in March. So I, my comment to her was, I don't know who the heck that doctor thinks she is, but we're going to Fatima. There's no such thing as no hope. And I wow. was kind of irrationally hopeful, I guess. I don't know if that was denial or if it was just... The Holy Spirit. Right, exactly. <laughs> I think it... I think God some had of the a plan saints for were, all of this. Some yeah. of the saints were crazy. I mean, we'll just say it. Some of the saints yeah. were just a little nuts. Well, I so, can own so that. You were, yeah, you were going own. a little nuts. If, if I can be a saint, I can own being nuts. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully I'm not. Or I wish I was one, but hopefully I'm not the other. Well, anyway. so what happened at Fatima? So that was actually a Knights of Columbus trip. So uh, the members have been praying for Father McGivney's beatification for decades. We had a, uh, a pilgrimage on this trip. Of course, there was six or eight hundred of us. The Supreme Chaplain, Archbishop Lori, was there. Mm -hmm. We prayed at the apparition site. We all prayed the rosary together. And then Archbishop Lori consecrated the Knights of Columbus to the Immaculate Heart of Mary when we finished the order or the uh, rosary. No one was really expecting that. So that was kind of a neat surprise when he started the consecration. And then we had Mass in the Basilica. And uh, Michelle and I really didn't tell many people what we were going through. So we just kind of blended in the crowd. We didn't sit up in the front or anything. 
but the reading that day was from from the book of John where the official comes and and says Lord come help or my son's going to die and he says you're a hard hearted generation you have to have signs and wonders to believe go forth your son will live so that Mm -hmm. was just the random gospel reading the day we were there yeah random right Right. so good word yeah immediately I was you know we looked at each other it was it was a pretty heavy experience. You know? Now at that time, uh, be, being a knight and being on a, a pilgrimage with knights, um, and uh, Father McGivney being the founder, did you did you already have like kind of a devotion or a, uh, were you following Father McGivney in some way or did you know to sort of pray for his intercession or any of that? So, whenever I was twenty eight years old, I was Grand Knight in Savannah, Tennessee. Okay, and. I was working for another corporation at the time. I was doing well. We were saving money, all that. But I knew if I was going to have a large family, I was going to have to start my own business if I was going to pay for them. So right. I was looking for businesses to start, and I read Parish Priest, the biography of Father McGivney. And I thought, well, I could really throw myself at taking care of widows and orphans for the rest of my life. There that seems go. like a really amazing calling if I'm going to be running a business, right? <laughs> so Father McGivney is really the one that brought me into the insurance business. Awesome. Yeah. So the whole time I've been an agent, I've had a devotion to him because, like I said, he's the one that got me into this. And I've always felt like he was riding beside me in the car, you know, and always asking for his help in different situations. Uh, People that aren't in the insurance business don't realize that you are in some pretty hard situations sometimes. So, you know, Father McGivney's always been kind of my go-to guy through all of that. And my wife, too. I mean, 10 years ago, she named our whole homeschool Father McGivney Academy. Oh, nice. That is great. So our whole family. You um, just you were connected to him. Yeah. Our whole family's had a devotion to Father McGivney. Now, do you McGivney. remember at that pilgrimage, like, uttering a specific prayer uh, about? No. Uh, before we left, um, when everyone was very upset, of course, we told all the kids at Christmas that mm-hmm. they were going to have a brother. Uh, my wife has a bag that says, Mom of 12. So... She yeah. opened her Christmas Eve gift, and it was a bag that says "Mom of 13. And one nice. of the kids said, "Oh, that's an unfortunate typo." Yeah, but that's how we <laughs> that's how we announced it. So they were all excited too, and then they were all devastated yeah. when they got the news too. So that's one of the cool things about big families is how much they love kids, right? How much they love little brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. So that's that had to be that devastating. Great, yeah. So one night everybody was crying, and so I just kind of sat in the corner of the room and kind of had an agony in the garden. You know, Lord, let this cup pass away from me. If if you can, please take yeah. this away. And then told Father McGivney, look, if you'll pray for my son, we'll name him after you. We were there planning on naming him after my wife's grandfather and Pope Benedict. So I stood up and told her what I did, and she was mad at me for the rest of the night because she wanted to name him after her grandpa. But And her grandpa was uh, Nebuchadnezzar, right? Is that- <laughs> we were gonna- so, it was divine intervention. Nebuchadnezzar Benedict. <laughs> His last name was Ives. Benedict Ives. But, <laughs> That's beautiful. So anyway, then we sent out emails. She did too to everyone asking them to pray through Father McGivney, especially while so we were So you started a little kind of a prayer chain. Prayer warrior chain yeah. to Father McGivney, yeah. That is that is beautiful. Now, is. at what point did you realize that something was different and something happened? So we had to have an ultrasound before we left so she could fly in Europe. Right. And then we had one scheduled as soon as we got back to make sure he was still alive. Yes. So yes. The practical, unfortunate practicality of all that right, stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah. So she went in for that ultrasound interview, and uh, she had a different doctor see her and explain that ultrasound to her. So the other doctor came in. Her name was Dr. Mary. 
<laughs> she sat down and started saying, well, you know, this is looking good. He's got a little bit of water in this one lung, but that's not abnormal for babies, and we need to get you to meet the NICU doctor and everything. And and Michelle stopped her and was like, wait a minute. I was told that he wasn't going to live. I don't need to meet a NICU doctor. Yeah. I was told there was no hope. And she flipped back through the chart and said, are you the woman that was going to Fatima? And she said, yes. And she said, well, now you're going to have a baby. She said, what's your baby's name? Wow. We're we're just going to take a little pause (laughs) right there. Because I I got tingles all over. I know. Me too. (laughs) It's just, that's so beautiful. And uh, so, okay, you had to process that. Oh, yeah. You had to stop and go, okay, wait, can you replay that in slow-mo so I can, you know, because I'm sitting there trying to process that, what that would be like to come back from a pilgrimage like that and certainly going to on a pilgrimage. And I know that you say there was no hope, but it but it sounds like somewhere deep down in that cold thing you call a heart, <laughs> there there was there was some hope there. I, yeah, I would say that I I never believed that it was going to end in his death for some reason. Like I said, we've lost other children or yeah, whatever yeah. grace, whatever God grace God gave me or whatever. It was mm-hmm. like I never accepted the diagnosis wow. and was like, this isn't going to happen. You know, and Michelle's like, I know God can do it, but he's probably not going to. Yeah. You know, nobody's ever survived. And I'm like, well, there's got to be a first one at some point, so he can be the first one. Oh, my goodness. Mm. But after it happens, you know, St. Peter's my patron. After it happens, you know, you're you're kind of taken back. It's one thing to be in Mass and talk about God and all these different yeah. things. But when he shows up like that, it, it knocks you to the floor, right? Oh, so yeah. my immediate reaction was... Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. (laughs) I can't believe you showed up like this. I don't deserve this. Right, exactly. Oh, my goodness. So um, we'll fast forward a little bit. Um, Little Michael, Michael McGivney Shackle, (laughs) was born. was born. What was that experience like to essentially really just to hold this little miracle baby? So I wasn't there. Oh, goodness. Because I had told my wife that I was going to hold him up like Simba and ask the doctor, how many babies didn't make it because you tell people So she stuff. didn't tell you when it was happening? <laughs> no, another 13. I had a conference to go to. He wasn't due until July. Okay. And I had a conference in San Antonio to go to. And I didn't want to go. And she said, just go on. It's a, you know, it's a couple months before he's due. So Yeah, of course. I leave Nashville on May 13th to go to, to San Antonio. And uh, she had a regular ultrasound scheduled for the morning of May 15th. She had all the kids dressed up. There was a diaconate and ordination that mm, morning at the okay. cathedral. She went in for the ultrasound, and they told her, you're not going home. We're doing an emergency C-section. Oh, goodness. So I was in San Antonio. Stress or something like that? The uh, her placenta was just failing. Oh, so okay. So it was, they, it was they better for to. him to be out than in. So Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, he was born. I was on the in the air between there and here. But. The reason why God wanted me out of the way was I didn't get to do the Simba thing. <laughs> the The original doctor, we saw her again for the first time, or she did, that night. I didn't even see her that night, but she came in, and Michelle said, Doctor, I'm so glad you're here. And she had brought some gifts for the some of the deacons that were going to be at the right. organization. She said, I brought you something, and she gave her a miraculous medal <laughs> and some nice. holy water and said, I got these for you in Fatima, you know. And the doctor broke down crying and took Aww. her necklace off and said, you don't know how much this means to me, and put the miraculous medal on oh, there. That's beautiful. And, that is. And now she uh, she says she keeps those two pictures on her desk, the before and after ultrasounds, to remind herself there's no such thing as no hope. Oh, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? That's 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 incredible. Now, how uh, – so, so – Wait, and he was born on the 13th of May. 
He was born on the 15th of May. 15th I of left May. town okay. on the okay. 13th. Gotcha, gotcha. The 15th of May is the day that Council 1 of the Knights of Columbus was chartered. So the very the Knights oh, of Columbus wow. actually started on May 15th. Okay. Oh, wow. Got Father, it. Father McGivney's active in this <laughs> yeah, process. Yeah, he's got yeah, a role. So uh, now, so all this happens, and you know you're holding now. You, but you, but but what was it like when you actually did come home and you did hold the baby? <laughs> it's like little Michael. What was that like? Well, he was he was very premature, obvious. Yeah. So he was in the NICU, and it was yeah. a bunch of this kind of stuff. You a know, bunch of, bunch of stuff attached to the right. incubator kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But when we did get to hold him, it was even now. I mean, it's like you're picking up a little relic. You know, that's, every that's, time, oh, every time you pick him up, it's like a little relic holding mm-hmm. a little relic. Yeah, that's awesome, and that that that's such a beautiful story. Now, how how did the Vatican get involved in all this stuff? How did who got wind of that, and how did how did that mm-hmm. work out? So, I had told one of the executives um, in Fatima after the mass. You know, in the reading had affected us so much during mass. I told him what we were going through, and he said, "Well, you never know. We're at Fatima." So yeah. after we got the <laughs> ultrasound, I called and told him. I said, "You won't believe this. When we came home, you know." So he knows the postulator for Father McGivney's cause, so he called him and said, hey, I I think we've got a miracle for Father McGivney here, you know, so. Yeah, well, you did. That we is did. cool. You, that is so you, cool. You did. And then, uh, so interestingly, October 31st, 2020, you know, All Hallows' Eve in 2020, mm-hmm. a weird year to begin with. Uh, but it's the perfect year. <laughs> it's the perfect year for Father McGivney. Though. Exactly. Uh, he is beatified. He is beatified. Uh, and that's that's just really cool. In fact, uh, I, I would you know we don't we don't look at our faith as like I'll give you this, you give me that. But there is an exchange of grace that happens. And sure. you know, Father Father McGivney uh, interceded on your behalf. He gave you something. Right, well, you, you guys gave him something too, <laughs> you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He, he got a better seat, yeah, you know. <laughs> exactly, got moved up a little bit. Yeah, that is that is such a a, a beautiful beautiful story. Um, so you've you've had what six years now to kind of sort of hindsight, kind of look and kind of see things, and I'm sure it's a it's a grace filled day every day at the Shackle household, really because of that whole situation. But what what is what is uh, Little Michael, what is it? What has he taught you as a family? What 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 effect has it had on your family? Do you think, with your kids? And so for me, it's uh, if I don't know what God's thinking, I don't know why I should question Him. You know, mm-hmm. we got some pretty devastating news, and you know, it's easy to say, "Why me? Why are you doing this to me, God?" This and that. But now you look back and you're saying, "Oh wow, that was a really big plan that you had." Put together, you know, and, you hear all these songs, you know, the praise and worship. Like, My God is an awesome God, right, and all right. that stuff. And we just we sing that stuff. And we raise our hands up, and we, you know, but we don't know that we have. We don't know that we don't really know that to be true. But you you had that experience. Well, look, there's no salvation without the cross. Yeah. So we can sing all the happy jingles <laughs> we want, but the cross is the salvation. Whether it's beautiful, it's Christ carrying His cross or us carrying ours. If we decide we want to lay them down just you know to that, have a happy life, yes. then we're laying down our salvation. The so. crown of thorns mm-hmm. is the best kind of crown, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. well painful, but it's the best kind of crown. Mm-hmm. So, what about uh, what about the kids? I mean, how do they view this? You got a bunch of them, so they do. He's like the mascot of our house. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> he is. I mean, he's he's like I said, he's a little ball of energy. He's always joking around. He's keeping things lively. He's into everything. As you can imagine, but um, yeah, I think he's—he's he's probably the most loved of all the brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and uh, 
everybody wants Mikey to to say that they're his favorite. <laughs> no, that's certainly I no, I that's that's that that's kind of cool. I there, there, I saw an interview uh and Michelle actually she said these words. She said God wrote this story. Why do you, I mean you guys have probably had lots of time to talk about that, but why do you suppose God wrote that story? Uh well, like I said we've been we've all been praying for Father McGivney's beatification for a long time. For some reason the Knights of Columbus decided to have a pilgrimage as their awards trip that first time ever that one year. For some reason, Archbishop Laurie decided to consecrate the Knights of Columbus. For some reason, we were pregnant during this whole thing and we were given this diagnosis. Um, For some reason, I don't know why all this number 13 stuff keeps coming up, but, you know, our... uh, when you become a knight, you, you kind of pledge to become a part of Mary's army and pray yeah. the rosary and all of these things, you know. So it was so fitting that all of this stuff occurred on a pilgrimage to the Blessed Mother that the Knights of Columbus decided to honor her and pray the rosary together, and this uh, blessing came as a result. Um, there was only one thirteenth of the month between May and October when the Blessed Mother didn't appear, and that was August 13th because the children were in prison and they were trying to get them to admit that they were lying. So she didn't get to appear that day. So that was probably the most emotional part of the beatification ceremony for us when they were reading the proclamation of the beatification. Mm. They announced the feast day of Father McGivney is August 13th, Mm. the only day that the Blessed Mother didn't appear. Isn't that something? So here we have this, this culture where... You know, someone like Michael is thought to not be worthy of living. Mm-hmm. You know, even healthy babies are being terminated. Someone like Michael's not worthy of being living. Uh, big families are countercultural. Masculinity is under attack. You know, all the toxic masculinity and all that. Right. And then the priesthood is under attack. Mm-hmm. And here we have a two million man army of the Blessed Mother right in the middle of this pandemic and she sends after five years of waiting for this announcement right in the middle of the pandemic she sends this message to her two million man army that pro-life is important and family is important and being a man is important and defending your priest is important and i just saw all of this i'm i'm just a pawn on god's checkerboard but i think he's sending all of us a message that it's time for us to be knights oh my gosh amen Daniel Shackle, thank you for sharing that beautiful story. And, you know, we're going to ask our Blessed Mother. We're going to, we're going to ask for her intercession. Amen. Hail Mary, full of full grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed Bless art thou God. among women, and blessed, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.